Welcome to Polish Jazz Podcasts from polishjazz.com. For a complete list of our podcasts, along with a Spotify playlist for each episode, please visit polishjazz.com slash podcasts. This podcast series will be about the history of Polish jazz and its most important figures. Each episode will be released with a Spotify playlist that references all the music that we mention in the show. Witamy, or welcome, to all you curious music lovers who have tuned into this podcast. We can't wait to get to know you. Zbigniew Seifert, the man of the light of Polish jazz. Zbigniew Seifert lost his fight to bone cancer on February 15, 1979, after an unsuccessful operation in an oncology hospital in Buffalo, New York. He departed at the age of 32, joining many other outstanding jazz musicians like Charlie Parker, Albert Eiler, Clifford Brown, Eric Dolphy, and even Mozart, who never had the chance to fulfill their art, but left so many innovative ideas behind, becoming an inspiration for others. Almost five decades have passed since the tragic death of Seifert, so why are we still talking about him today? The answer to this question is very simple. One word. Coltrane. Zbigniew Seifert is widely credited for transcribing the musical language of Coltrane to the violin, a task nobody before him was able to achieve. Before taking on the violin, he was a saxophone player, and he had a deep understanding of each instrument's capabilities, advantages, shortcomings, and phrasings. In a 1979 interview with Jazz Forum, Seifert himself explained it the best. When I play the violin, I hear the piece through the saxophone. I love Coltrane's music, and I always try to play as I imagined Coltrane would have if he played the violin. Perhaps this is why I never played the violin in the violin way. Another distinctive characteristic of Seifert's style were the influences from music by Polish composers like Szymanowski, Karlovic, Wienowski, and Chopin. Seifert was born in Poland. He drank, ate, and breathed the local culture there. He drew his inspirations from what was around him, including traditional Polish folk music and the music of the great Polish classical music composers from the 19th and early 20th centuries. But he was, after all, a Polish jazz musician, combining a placidity with passion, gentleness, and violent fury, tradition with progressiveness, 
and Slavic lyricism with the sorrow and melancholy of Black American jazz and blues. Seifert's approach to his instrument was very unique and distinguishable from other jazz violin giants of his time. I am, of course, referring to the 10,000-pound gorilla in the cage, King Kong. There is nothing whatever to fear. That is an escape-proof cage certified by the New York City I love Jessica Lange in this 1976 remake, but no, this isn't it. No, not this one either. I'm not thinking about Peter Jackson's 2005 version with Naomi Watts and Jack Black. But I am referring to the 1970s album King Kong. Jean-Luc Ponty plays the music of Frank Zappa. were very few contemporary jazz violin players in the 1970s, including another Polish jazz master, Michael Urbaniak, but they all shared the same obsession with an electric sound of their instruments, and Jean-Luc was their messiah. Ponty has mastered electric violins, especially five-string ones with a low C-string, and sometimes used a six-string electric violin called the Violectra. He combined violin sound with distortion boxes, phase shifters, and wah-wah pedals. This resulted in his signature, almost synthesizer-like sound. Later on, Michael Urbaniak pushed the boundaries of the violin sound even further, introducing a violin synthesizer called a talking violin. In contrast to the 1970s electric sound dogma for the violin, Seifert's sound was pure, natural, and acoustic. Classically trained and educated, he has always had an organic violin sound in mind and aimed for a minimal distortion of the natural timbre of his instrument. It is actually painful listening to him on his American debut album titled Zbigniew Seifart, where its producers were trying to make him sound like Jean-Luc. It failed, the music was gone, and the wah-wah effects were not just compatible with Seifert's musical sensibility. Zbigniew Seifert released only four albums under his own name, the last one posthumously. They were Man of Light on MPS in 1976, Zbigniew Seifert on Capitol Records in 1977, Solo Violin on Electrola EMI in 1978, and finally, Passion on Capitol Records in 1979. Two additional albums under his name were released in Poland after his death, Kilimanjaro and Nora, but they were obviously produced without the artist's final input and supervision. Zwigi, as Zeifert was affectionately called by his friends, started to play the violin at the age of six. He studied violin at the Frederick Chopin Musical High School in Krakow, from which he graduated with honors and earned his master's degree in 1970. During his studies, he achieved technical mastery on the instrument and learned all its technical capabilities. Interestingly, during his studies, he simultaneously took alto saxophone lessons. Seifert was fascinated with John Coltrane's music from a very early age. (laughs) ¶¶ 
1964, he founded a quartet inspired by Coltrane's legendary band, and from that time on, he has lived with the same musical sensibilities, spirituality, and principles as his late musical guru. In 1967, he joined the Thomas Stanko Quintet, whom he cooperated with until late 1973. During those years, he learned a lot from Stanko, and through him, from Christoph Kameda. The Stanko Quintet had a cult following with avant-garde jazz fans in Europe, especially in Germany, where Seifert moved from Poland in 1973. He quickly became an active member of the European jazz scene and collaborated with many leading musicians there. During that time, he also appeared on a handful of albums recorded by some of Europe's leading musicians in the 1970s, such as German trombonist Albert Mangelsdorf, Czech flutist Yiji Steven, German pianist Jo Akum and Wolfgang Donner. Dutch keyboard player Jasper von Hoff, German jazz guitarist Volker Kriegel, and American-born resident of Germany, saxophone player Charlie Mariano. Perhaps his greatest contribution to other leaders' albums was his superior presence on the 1978 album Violin by an American jazz and world music group, Oregon. In the fall of 1978, Seifert left for the United States on an invitation from Capitol Records. He went to the studio and recorded the last album under his name with musicians like Jack DeJohnette, Eddie Gomez, John Schofield, and Ron Carter, while other collaborations were on the horizon, including a project with John Coltrane's quartet pianist, McCoy Tyner. Unfortunately, cancer put a halt to his many collaborations. Seifert's early death robbed jazz music of one of its top visionaries, but his music has never died and his legacy is still with jazz fans and jazz musicians all over the world. players in the after-Seifert era, including D.D.A. Lockwood and Mark Feldman, often quote him as their lasting influence. So why did Seifert's music still matter, almost half a century after his tragic death? The critic Roderick Buchek, who wrote all the text of his 131-page-long booklet to Polonia Records' re-release of the violin solo from 1976, put it this way... Seifert's work still impresses with its freshness, genuine visionary power, and innovative ideas, breaking the established patterns and the novelty of his means of expression.
This podcast was recorded by the Polish Jazz Network, a coalition of musicians, professional, and jazz enthusiasts. Voice recordings and text editing was done by Marcy Lerski. The text was written by Cesare Lerski. Music is sampled from the various musicians listed above. Piano music in the introduction and conclusion was played by jazz musician Mia Tuccello. All rights to this podcast are reserved by the Polish Jazz Network and polishjazz.com. Jazz is the greatest thing American culture ever produced. End of the story for me.